All right, RBA, welcome to the resumption of the uh, the podcast series. Um, it's been about a month since we've done an installment, and we are back and ready to go with the 10th season replay podcast. And I have with me proud owner of a playoff berth in the 10th season. Um, I don't think I can say much more than that, though. Jeff Hobbs. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> We suck it long and suck it hard. <laughs> That's probably not even in response to my Baltimore comment there either. We we lost. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. We lost some of the um, we lost some of the game broadcasts. I'm still trying to recover them. Um, but, but it was about 20 minutes into it before you made the first celebrity Jeopardy comment, and I said, "Who had 11:28 in the pool? Well, who had eight seconds into the podcast in the pool here?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, probably, um, probably John. Probably John. Yep. Well, uh, yeah. So we we just decided we are going to do a, a a championship preview extravaganza, but this is not going to be that podcast. So we'll talk about you and Johnny coming up in the uh, in the championship here sometime in the next couple of months. It's uh, less than two months away now. They're uh, clown shoes. Yes, it is. It's going to be big. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the 10th season. You were coming out of the forest here and back into contention. Uh, we had uh, some interesting narratives. Coming out of 09, Matt Cooper had won his first plaque. Uh, so really the RBA, I, I called it from 07 to 09, and I don't remember if I've said this on the podcast before, but I called it the RBA Redemption Tour. <laughs> we, all got, we all got reparations. <laughs> yeah, except Booker, who probably deserved the most. <laughs> Booker doesn't. <laughs> I well, I meant just what. Well, no. a joke, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, to explain that, I mean, I, I, and that kind of leads into the season because it looked up until the championship like the RBA was really going to give the ultimate redemption for the one coach who had really been screwed at that to that point, uh, other than the people who just won plaques. So my explanation is in, in 07, Adam, who probably, I mean, who deserved to win one by that point, who maybe had the best team in 01 and had one of the two best teams in 02 and 03, didn't win in any of those three seasons. Adam cashed in in 07. And then there was you, who you'll whine about every season <laughs> from now until whenever. And you <laughs> you won in 08. And then Cooper, who really, you won't make his case, so I will. Cooper I mean, he didn't have the best team in 05, but he had a really good team, and he and, and, and you know he lost that championship. And then yeah. he probably did, well, almost certainly did have the best team in 07. Cooper uh, had the best team in the league in 04. Oh, in 04, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. And Chad was talking about how he didn't quite, he didn't see the difference. Um, Between you know, his I, team and Cooper's, you mean? Yeah, and he said something like his core, like his top four players were as good as Cooper's, which probably was true. The problem was <laughs> had, Cooper had what, yeah. Chad had depth problems. What? Well, well, <laughs> yeah. Chad, Chad, the rest of Chad's lineup was they weren't terrible players, but they were like seven fifty OPS kind of guys. And right. Cooper, you know, Cooper had a pretty strong lineup uh, all through. Uh, but anyway, so Cooper had the best team in '04. Oh, yeah, that, that reminds me of 01, the first season when uh, when Adam maligned Chad so much because Chad said, Adam, my team's better than yours. Look, where you've got Bordick and Girardi, I have Piazza and A-Rod. Yeah, Adam reminds the rest of Adam's lineup. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, exactly. Adam's comeback. But you know what's yeah. funny is, 
you know what's funny about that is Adam has used the exact same reasoning to dog his own teams in oh. the HJ and RBA. No, no. <laughs> Adam has been self-depreciating and or hypocritical ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, yes, okay, so um, getting back to the point, yeah. So Cooper had a really good team in 04, and he had a and really he had best he had the best team in the league in 04, the best team, one of the best teams ever in 07, and a really good team in 05, and he hadn't won a championship. So he, he actually had a good team in 08 also. Uh yeah 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 he was he that was a very close series he and Dunedin yep. were basically uh, scores of a hundred they were very good no teams. no no no, no. I, I said oh eight your your uh, was oh uh, nine yeah 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 I'm thinking of oh nine right oh eight no, yeah oh eight he had a yeah I forget how good his team was in oh eight it was pretty good I'm sure anyway so the RBA went on a redemption tour and uh, so I said he gave a plaque to these people and it was really lining up you know Chad had the three plaques. But then everybody, all the long-standing owners had cashed one in. You had one, and and uh, Adam had one, Cooper had one, John had one, and then you know Florian, who's who's a pretty long-standing member by this point, of course, got his in the fifth. So yeah. there was really one left over. There's one nearly original member of the RBA who put together really strong teams a couple of times. I mean, I think you could say he put together a couple of good good teams, really good teams, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His 06 yeah. team was really good. Hey, his 06 team, yeah. we, we all thought was going to win the division. Right. That's right. And so they got off in to, 06, yeah. They got off to a bad start. But he also had a good team. He had one or two other good teams, too. And we're talking about, of course, Doug Pond in, in Baltimore, who had never made the playoffs. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing as to where we were, uh, where we're heading. We'll try and do this chronologically, as we usually do. Um so where, uh, let me start in the off season because there was uh, uh, there were a couple of trades leading in, actually three trades leading in. We won't be talking much about trades, although we probably will because we talk much in every podcast. But um, <laughs> there weren't many trades in the 2010 season. Trading volume has gone down a little bit, but there are no more unimportant. Trade or, or very, I think the ones that have been paired away are the unimportant ones because almost every one I looked at was pretty meaningful. Okay. I would say. Um, so there were three trades before the season, and one of them was yours. So why don't you tell us um, what? And I don't mean this in a bad way. Like, what were you thinking? But why don't you tell us what you're <laughs> thinking when you uh, you traded? Now, of course, coming off the '09 season, you you won negative ten games in 2009, so you had the number one overall pick. And right. you chose to trade that pick. I did. I did. Uh, Sandoval was the uh, – Pablo Sandoval was the kind of best player in the draft. Um, and I already had – What we thought? I mean, what, was, were his stats the best for that season? Um, it was, well, I just mean combination of okay. current and future value, I guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, he was the guy I think everybody thought would probably go first. Okay. And I had Zimmerman at third base anyway. Sandoval, you're going to be shocked to hear this. He doesn't seem like the kind of player who can play third base for much longer. What? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem like, uh, you know, he's going to be playing third base. So they're moving him to what, center field? Uh, probably shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> they at the beginning of this major league season he had slimmed down. <laughs> Apparently he gained thirty pounds during the season. 
<laughs> How you gain weight during a baseball season is beyond me, but anyway. I think you ask uh, Miguel Cabrera how that's done. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway. Sabathia, yeah. Okay. Anyway, but but uh, so I and I yeah so uh, I thought well you know I could get more maybe than Sandoval would offer me. Yeah. Did and, you did you ever think about? I, I guess you always wanted to keep Zimmerman, right? I mean, you never yeah. considered trading Zimmerman. Right, exactly. I, I could have traded Zimmerman and used the first overall pick to take Sandoval. I was more, sh- I was uh, higher on Zimmerman than right. I was on Sandoval. Did you con- Did you ever consider keeping the pick and, and taking someone else? And if so, who would you have taken? That I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, it, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, you can look at it and say. What the heck? Because yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty, you can look at it and say uh, McCutcheon went third overall. Mm-hmm. I know we're not really talking yeah, about no, the draft he was, yet, he, Yeah, he was a high. He was, he was he was also a good one. Um, but hey. I offered. I, I think I was offered the trade. I don't think I initiated this. I got offered Kevin Correa, who had had a really good year, and Brad Hopp, who had had a really good year. So I was able to yep. fill two important spots. Hop, I thought, Korea, who the hell knew? Uh, Hop, I thought, was of better long-term value than he turned out to be. Yeah, he kind of died. He went the Chris yeah. Duncan path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he I, I know a little bit, but I don't I mean, I know that, you know, this was Donnie, right? SoCal. So I guess we should, well, we should mention we did have uh turnover in this season. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, germane to this, um, Raymond from Gulf Coast, one of the expansion teams, left after three seasons, and Donnie McCullough took over here in, in 2010, and he took over this team, moved them to SoCal, and that was the team, of course, that you traded with. He inherited Hop and Korea, and he was rebuilding, and he had no use for either of those two. Um, I remember he was being advised, let's say, by Florian yeah. and Chad. I, I remember the comment being thrown around, I just offer him to Hobbs, so he'll give you the first-round pick for him. <laughs> or the number one overall pick for him. Um, not to say it was a bad decision on, on your part, but, um, you know, no, it, it, it was a bit of a weak draft, let's say. Yeah, but like every draft, they, everybody thought it was great at the time. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, you can argue that. I mean, and in hindsight, obviously, you could say, well, you should have kept it and taken McCutcheon or something. But, you know, Hop and Korea, you didn't know they were going to absolutely turn into corpses after this, which they did. Um yeah. And but, Sandoval is really well. Know. Sandoval turned into a yeah a bloated <laughs> carcass too. Um, anyway, that, but, that was well. I, well, I should also mention, and I'm not going to derail this for 15 minutes like I did talking about the last time I took over a team. <laughs> but I should mention that I took over Buffalo for this season um, because I mean, really, and we won't. You know, I won't say too much about it. But uh, Jason Fisher just really wasn't involved, and and basically we had a really hard time getting the Vegas Buffalo first round series played the previous season, and that was yeah. that. He, was, it, what, he that? was busy. He was very busy. He was very busy, and and that in addition to the fact that he didn't didn't give a didn't give any instructions for the draft, didn't show up, you know, didn't make any arrangements. So that was about it. So I took over the Buffalo team, and 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 I guess just. Didn't do much with him this season. Yeah. So uh, my thinking, my thinking was basically, sorry. my thinking was basically that Sandoval didn't give me much marginal value. Right. I wasn't sure about his long-term prospects anyway. I mean, everybody was talking about him like, well, like they talk about everybody. Well, <laughs> you had to think. I mean, he's the size of a boulder over there, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, people were talking about him like he was going to be great because they always, you know, do he's so. a switch hitter. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so Jesus probably hit from both sides of the plate. 
Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Wait, no, so Chavez, that, Chavez was just a lefty. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so there, there has to be a Chavez reference in every podcast. <laughs> Dude! <laughs> Dude! All right, so... Kessler. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that was my thinking. Uh, what were the other two trades? Okay. Um, I'm glad you asked. Uh, one of them, uh, that happened at the at the start of trading, and the other one was a pretty big one involving a, a ton of draft picks. And I remember Chad talking to me about this when I remember I was on a, a, a class break down in, in Pittsburgh where I used to teach. I remember distinctly talking to, to Chad. Of course, this has been like, you know, less than two years ago. Um, but Chad got uh, Josh Beckett and Kosuke Fukudome and four mid picks uh, for Jose Reyes, who did not qualify that year. Um, he traded Reyes to State College, where, you know, he came back and played for State College this past season. And he's going to be a, a very good player for State College in the next season. Yeah. Um, and he also sent the well-traveled and permanently triple-A'd Delman Young. <laughs> that, that guy has spent more time in triple-A than Crash Davis. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, he's in a couple of he's in a second and a third round pick also. So that one was pretty big. It kind of cemented State College's second straight rebuilding year because you know they got two players they didn't even use, right. uh, and it kind of and it helped Chad put together his team. Beckett, when he acquired Beckett, I mean you have the spreadsheet in front of you, of course. I don't even have to ask if you do. Um, but Chad, <laughs> as I recall, uh, had a really nice front four in the rotation. I be- Beckett kind of made his fourth, I believe. Or am I wrong about yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the spreadsheets, but yeah, he had a good. Um, Beckett was his number three. Number three, okay. Maybe I think he protected three, and then Beckett ended up being, you know, his third best, and there was somebody fourth. Maybe I don't know. I remember. Um, Oswald. Oswald. Maybe yeah. Okay, and then the uh, the other one was after the the Soria flap. Um, Soria didn't qualify, and Bob traded his rights to SoCal along with the first. For Will, Brian Wilson, Jonathan Papelbon, Casey Blake, and a fourth. Um, so he kind of loaded up the bullpen, and Fort Duquesne sort of built their team up to contend in that season. So a couple of contending teams have built up with early trades there. Right, right. We we sort of we, I mean we we knew who the contending teams were going to be because yeah. we always have an idea. Fort Duquesne was one. I was one. Chad was one. There were a few others, of course. Well, D- and, uh, Dunedin was going to. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I'm just saying. So, uh, I think, I mean, well, well, I mean, you're going to look at. Do you have an? Do you have a beginning of the season spreadsheet and an end? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to the scores after the draft for sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you if it was, you know, because looking at the replay results, you know, you can pick out four teams. I, I was going to ask if it was pretty clear who we, we thought the four teams were going to be. Um. Well, yeah. Okay. I'll get. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> we knew Dunedin was going to be good, and and yeah. So. Okay. So there was, you know, there was some player movement sort of in the direction that you, we all expected, and yes, yeah. Uh, uh, and then so going into the draft, that just kind of cemented it further. You know, the the idea of who the best teams were going to be. Right. I had spent 2009 rebuilding, and uh, and so coming into 2010, I was gonna, I knew I was going to be pretty strong, especially since I had the number one overall pick, which I turned into two big players for that season. So, and and you had another first round pick. Right. Right. You yeah. had Chad's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. From the Zimmerman trade. Is that what that was? Okay. Yeah. I right. got that Zimmerman deal. Uh-huh. Okay. And well, you turned that into a fine player. Yeah, so coming into RBA weekend, um, yeah. I guess I'll just quickly run through the draft again. 
Well, uh, yeah, let's do that. And and mention let's mention one theme about the draft was um, Doug and Adam. <laughs> uh, Doug attempted to trade his entire. I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Adam attempted to trade his entire draft to Doug, and I said, "This isn't the HHA. Let's let's not be not clowns <laughs> here." Uh, and so Adam rightly said, "You know, well, what's the maximum number of picks I can uh-huh. trade at one time? Whatever." <laughs> so it ended up being that they did it on a on a round by round basis, and so the running uh, occurrence through the draft was basic basically. Every every pick Adam had, he traded to Doug for a pick in the next season's draft and uh, and the same round. So Doug sort of pushed his chips in in on on 2010. He was probably a little frustrated. Who wouldn't be? And so he he built up his team at the draft. So that's a, a theme underlying this. So right, right. Yeah. So SoCal had my pick uh, first overall at the draft, and yep. they took Sandoval. No surprise right. there. Yeah. State College took Brett Anderson, no surprise uh, there. So talented, if he could just stay healthy. And SoCal had their own pick, and they took McCutcheon. He, that's, that's where every, everyone everyone thought he would go, like, third or fourth. Yeah, and uh, that turned out really well. The fourth pick was a bit of a surprise. Nolan mm-hmm. Rimel went yeah. to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silver City took Randy Wells fifth. Yeah. Wells, you know, he, he was a good pitcher for that year. Not Not a whole lot of upside, but... Again, who knows? <laughs> uh, I love how you couch every statement about a pitcher with uh, who knows. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of evidence that it's totally unpredictable. There, there's some evidence. That I, yeah, there's some evidence that it's completely unpredictable with pitchers. Um, anyway, Baltimore. And I think the, the the weight of the evidence is that uh, the only thing you can predict about pitchers are. Uh, walk strikeouts and home runs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, even, and, and even even home runs is maybe negotiable. Home yeah. runs is yes, home runs and and uh, and uh, and walks and strikeouts can change a lot over a couple of years. Well, sure, yeah. You look at all these guys like like you know these guys who are wild at first and then they get good control. Matt Cain was like that for me. I mean, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Interesting um, you bring up Cain because he's he's one of the few cases where people think that he is actually controlling his home run percentage. He is he's the outlier because he's a fly ball pitcher who doesn't yeah. give up home runs, and he does it year after year after year. And look at what Halliday's doing this season. I mean, yeah. you got to think most of that is random variation, but good gracious. He's given up like seven homers this year overall. Yeah, I know. That's incredible. Anyway, so yeah. Um, but then, pretty good pitcher coming up here at number six. Uh, yeah, the number six overall pick was Clay Buckles, who had a great year last year. Um, yes, he did. Good, very talented. And, Again, uh, health problems, but that was a pick Doug got from Adam. Again, go figure. Yeah. Uh, with the seventh pick, Baltimore Baltimore had two back-to-back. They, right, Buckles. they got one from Adam, yeah. yeah. Buckles at six and Andrew Bailey at seven. Mm. Uh, he's the top reliever by easily in the draft. And then at number eight, I took Miguel Montero, who has turned into a yeah, really, he's going to yeah. be protected uh, again. He'll be with. Oh yeah, yeah, he's having a he's having a really nice year again. Yeah. So SoCal had another pick, their third of the first round. Yeah, uh, and they used it to take Irvin Santana. That was a surprise. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, State College took Jordan Zimmerman, knowing that he'd have to wheelchair him this season, and for the long term, it looks like it worked out. They were rebuilding again, so yeah. not, I guess. Uh, well, no, I mean, you're, but no, you're one season behind, though. He we, uh, he sat out this season when when State College made the playoffs. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he'll be back on the next disc. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, Dunedin took Ryan Rayburn. Yep, yep. Two straight fungos, I should mention. No, I was not going to comment. Um, I had and, both of those guys in my other league, yeah. Yeah, and then I should mention that it, it was pretty roundly suggested that Cooper, and, and it's unfortunate what happened to this guy, but Cooper yeah. really did steal a couple of players here with this, his first two picks, and Kendry Morales is way too good to go at 12. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, it was incredible. He should have gone, like, in the top, I don't know, eight. He should have gone seventh, eighth, ninth. I don't know. He it, shouldn't have gone 12. It's difficult with first baseman in this league because pretty much everybody brings the first baseman yeah. to the party. Um, yeah. But he he was a monster. I mean, uh, maybe not a monster. But he was really, really freaking good. And, and this was not a strong draft. And then Cooper came back in the second round and got Nelson Cruz. And yeah. quite yeah. frankly, he almost made the playoffs based on those two players and not much else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted Cruz. I just had – the problem was – well, you know, I was contending that year, and when you're contending, you're more constrained. So, yeah. so you took Kubel <laughs> you know, instead, it looks like. Yeah, I got Kubel, and Kubel was just like Morales. Yeah, he was. He, he, was, he, he, he was Kendry. He was the outfield version of Kendry Morales. Well, I but, remember at this draft, yeah, it was Morales at first base, and he had really good numbers, and Kubel had really good numbers and a good injury factor. He had like 550 plate appearances, and he was he was strong against right-handers. And then there was another guy who we wondered where he was going to go. He had like 350 plate appearances, but was even better in those plate appearances, right? Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about, which I was just going to say. Kubel falling to the second round was, you know, about as surprising to me as Morales falling to the last pick of the first round, I guess. I thought both of those guys were definite first round picks and, and Morales should have gone higher. But anyway, I was really shocked that uh, with my third round pick, 25th overall, somehow nobody took Garrett Jones. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, we were I, just, our, we were flabbergasted. And Chad, Chad needed an outfielder. Yep. And very early into the season. Yep. Uh, wanted Garrett Jones, and I actually had four outfielders. The only reason I took Garrett Jones was because it was ridiculous that he hadn't gone before. I already had three outfielders, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just took him. I just took him and said, "This is this is I'm value. doing this out of I'm doing this out of outrage." It was a value pick. I traded Jones for a first. Chad gave me a first for him. Right. And he that that was not a bad deal on for Chad. I mean, well, you gave him a fourth also. So it was a first. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. But I mean, it was kind of similar to the Stubbs thing that he did this year, except that Jared Jones had a ton of value for that season. Yeah, the, right. I mean, I mean, and you could argue and and some would that you were trading him to one of your competitors, but I mean, I, sure, sure. But I mean, for a first, I'm willing to do it, you know. Okay. If he if he I, I would probably wouldn't have traded him to Chad for, for a second because it would have been a late second. But for a first, I said, all right, you're a competitor, but Jones is my fourth outfielder, and let's have fun with this, <laughs> you know. And then you grabbed uh, Josh Hamilton in the fourth round. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Hamilton. Did you take anybody who wasn't an outfielder? <laughs> God, you're not kidding. You wow. took Pagan in between there. <laughs> <laughs> you took four outfielders in a row, and I'm pretty sure you had two coming in. <laughs> Yeah, well, and Ham- you had Hop. <laughs> yeah, ha- Hamilton didn't get much playing time that year. He was a bounce back. Pick. You, you had Hop. At one pick, you had Hop. At one point, you had Hop, Kubel, Jones, and Hamilton. Did you want every slow? Oh, well, Hamilton's not that slow, but left-handed hitting white outfielder in the league. <laughs> yeah, I cornered the market. Yeah, that's like you. Uh, anything else uh, jump out at you here? No, no, not really. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say this is. And uh, to give a little preview, I'm, I'm worried – well, you know, not that it's 
going to affect me too much, but I'm, I'm a little worried that this upcoming draft is going to be on the weaker side. It seems like we're kind of bouncing back and forth. We're oscillating between better and, and worse drafts, which is, I guess, kind of the way it tends to go. But uh, the 2011 draft was a pretty power-packed draft, and this one doesn't seem that good. And I, th- yeah. I, I think we knew that it wasn't all that good at the time. Because, I mean, any time the number one overall pick is traded, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not good evidence. But, I mean, last year you look back and we had Hayward and Posey and Lottos and, and the score oh, of other people. People were making a big deal out of these guys, too. I don't think okay, maybe people, I don't think people thought it was a weak draft at the time. It takes a lot for people to actually think that prospects are not, that yeah <laughs> aren't going to be that great. I, I I'm I'm beating this horse to death, but I <laughs> you're, you're, you are there's a there's a reason for it. Um, anyway, you're pissing on the corpse also. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so <laughs> after the draft, uh, after the draft, I have some scores. Yes, please do, Skip, because I, I want to get the, the feel for uh, the way the season started. How okay. was thinking at that time? All right. So, anyway, after the draft had ended, um, I put together the, uh, the, the spreadsheet, and oh. the uh, league average was an 80. So right on the average average. Yeah, the league average was an 80. So, yeah, what I normally think of as average actually was average that year. Yep. And, all right, so starting in the Larkin. Arizona was a 123. Ooh, that's very strong. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that was highest in the league, but I guess I'll go through them. Um, Orlando was a 60. Okay. Fort Duquesne was a 108. Put together a very strong team from the draft with the early trades. Uh, I'm surprised Adam wasn't worse. A 60? Adam had uh, Carpenter and Halliday in there. Yeah, place. I guess that's right. But Halliday always dumps in the in the RPA. <laughs> Believe it or not, Adam had a decent bullpen too. He just couldn't hit. He had a bull. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he had How Hoffman. How did he get a bullpen? He traded his whole draft. He had Hoffman. <laughs> oh, that's right. But he. Did, oh, that's right. Yeah, he, he did Hoffman. have Hoffman. Okay. All right. So you think I'd remember this better since it was less than two years ago? Oh, that's why I'm here. Oh, yeah, your memory. That's what you bring to the podcast. A good memory. Oh, God. Uh-huh. A good spreadsheet never forgets. Oh. oh. <laughs> I think that should be your epitaph. I think Chad will love to hear that. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> gods never die. <laughs> what was, oh, that was Rob, right. Chavez. Uh, all right, so Fort Duquesne was a 108. We knew they would be, you know, we, we knew they would be very competitive. And Atlanta was a 61, so they were they were the same as Orlando. It's a pretty strong division, I guess, on, on balance there to start the season. In the, uh, let's see if I can get it right this time, Puckett. Hey! The, uh, State College was a 34. Yeah, full rebuilding mode for the Cows. But they bounced back now. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were rebuilding completely. Um, Silver City was an 81. Okay. That, I mean, <laughs> yeah, another decent team for, for John. They were the definition of average. Yep. Uh, um, Buffalo was a 100. Yeah, and, and went 38 and 43. Hmm. Okay. And Dunedin was a 99. Hmm. So it was interesting. You had two teams that were very good, but, you know, very good, but not, but certainly not great. Uh, one team that was Absolutely average, and one team that was horrible in that division. I remember, of course, I don't believe in things like this, but I, I remember the narrative of, of the RBA knows when no one's manning the ship. It's, <laughs> it's because I, I kind of remember, you know, I was I was controlling that Buffalo team. I was like, I don't. 
want this team to make the playoffs. And, of course, they just fell right on their face. I mean, it seems to have happened. You know, when, when I, I tried to put together – and here we go again for another 15-minute hijack. But oh, I put together that eight-season team in Chicago, and, and I wanted to prove that I could do it. And I put together a really good 48-win team out of that. But then yeah. I thought, okay, well, that's great, but I don't really want to go into the playoffs. Of course, they lose in the wild card playoff game. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was like perfect. If I could have written how it would have gone, that was perfect. Yeah. But your league, your league has been really kind to you. Yes, it has. In in the in the respect that I didn't want to to control a playoff team. Yes, and also yeah. I don't like you know not to talk about this too much, but in the second season Exodus. It was really weird because the team that Scotty abandoned was still good. I mean, they weren't as good as Adam, but they were good. Yeah. Um, they were pretty good, yeah. Yeah, they were pretty good. Those four teams, it seemed like, and this might have just been the narrative and apocryphal or whatever, but as soon as those four teams got ab- abandoned, they just sunk. <laughs> I mean, they, none <laughs> of them did anything. So I, yeah. I advanced the narrative that the RBA knows. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, the, it, although your league has been – I, I know you're probably patting yourself on the on the back for all this, but oh, I wish that was all I was doing. Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, well, anyway, you you yeah. So the RBA has been very kind to you and your little narrative here. But but while you're saying all this, I've currently uh, I've gotten in touch with Doug, and he is Doug is is actually toilet papering your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, unfortunately the overarching narrative that supersedes all other RBA narratives is that Doug gets screwed. <laughs> Adam, Adam, unfortunately, as much as I complain about me getting screwed, like I like I said before, I only really got screwed in the first five seasons of the league, and uh, even then, not not a not by a huge amount. Adam got, has gotten screwed a lot in his career too. But he's yeah, gotta, this past season was pretty rough for Adam. He yeah. So, but anyway, so the, run through the Clemente there. Yeah, the, the Clemente Vegas was a seventy three. Okay. Um, good. Good rotation. Uh, Elm Grove was a 97. They were strong, but not, you know, pretty good. Not overpowering. They were a good team, but by no means, yeah. Um, Baltimore was a 92. So, another good team for Baltimore. Speaking of. (laughs) Yeah. They had a really good bullpen, and SoCal was a 33. They were the other big-time rebuilding team. Yeah, yeah. State College and and SoCal were the rebuilds here. So, you... going in. Yes, we did know that. Um, So, let's... As the season progresses, we have some narratives here. Um, uh, so there were a couple of trades, and I'll, I'll just remind everyone that – I mean, there weren't many trades, but like I said, the trades that happened were pretty important, whether for the narrative or, or, or just for the for the construction of the league. Um, there was the Garrett Jones trade in which, you know, you – endowed Chad with a, a stud middle-of-the-order player, and you got a first-round pick out of that. Um, yeah. There was something that happened the previous season, which we covered, and that was that Cooper, who ended up winning the title, sent out a, a, a line, anyway, to the RBA saying, uh, you know, I'll tank. You know, I, I'm ready to pack it in at the deadline. He was basically like one or two games under, and he said, I'm willing to trade people. And oh, Cooper's always willing to pack it in. <laughs> Sorry. I hope Cooper listens to this. I, I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the you know, George with Trebek and Connery. You, you know, George is here right now, and he he loves the celebrity Jeopardy clips as any normal person does. So uh, 
Jordan yeah. is there. Yeah, he's here. He's here. He's watching. He's watching the Penguins Blackhawks. He's a Blackhawks fan. He's watching the Penguins Blackhawks preseason game, which oh. I will watch. Yeah, which I'm, which I'll, I'll join him for as soon as we get done with this. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Um, it's on the, it's on NHL Network. I don't know if you get that. No, I'm watching Matt Moore. No. What? I'm watching Matt Moore. If you don't know who that is, then never mind. I don't know who that is, and I don't care. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, so you, you gave, uh, so, oh, no, I was talking about the, yeah, you threw off my whole train of thought, shoes. Okay. Um, so I was talking about how Cooper, Offered to pack in the season, and then he ended up, you know, not making a trade. Nobody gave him a, a worthwhile offer, and he surged toward the, you know, the, the playoffs and ended up winning the, the plaque. Now, in this season, uh, it happened again, except this time, uh, the team that offered to, I mean, the, this team didn't win the uh, the plaque ultimately, but we had another team who offered to make a deadline deal, ended up making one deadline deal, and went on to make the playoffs. Um, so it was quite an incredible story. Now, Cooper was also hanging around 500. He didn't really believe his team was competitive. Um, and Cooper ended up cashing in players to Chad in a deal right before the deadline. And this deal that, that Cooper made to Chad is going to go down as one of the more influential trades in RBA history. Um, so you know who was involved in this one, right? Oh, why don't you tell us? Well, um, this was mostly a deal for Chad to load up for the for the stretch run, and Chad got Javier Vasquez from Cooper because all they do is pass him back and forth. So Chad got – your connection kind of wavered there. Are you still there? Uh, Jeff? All right, I've, I've lost – I've lost Jeff on the recording. Hey, hey, hang on. What? Hello. I'm here. What? What happened there? Uh, I think uh, my. <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's probably best that we don't know. Um, so Cooper was loading up Chad for the deadline, and he traded him Javier Vasquez because they pass him back and forth, and he traded him Chipper Jones to play third, and you know Chad gave back Roy Oswald and Adrian Beltre. Um, so, you know, and Chad gave up a fourth and a fifth round pick, and Cooper ended up throwing in a guy to, to hit against lefties and play a little outfield and third base defense, and uh, that guy's name was Jose Bautista. <laughs> yeah, that's right, the throw-in. Yes, Bautista was a throw-in in that deal, and of course, at, at that time, I think he, well, he might have been, I might be underselling it, he might have been a little bit more than a throw-in, because this was on May 8th. So yeah, he had okay. had a he had a really good first month, but we've seen ten billion players have that really good first month. And Cooper has sent out emails about nine billion of those ten billion players saying <laughs> this guy's going to be the next Barry Bonds. You need to trade for him, and nobody does it. And then I'm sure Bautista was one of those players. Who's like Chad, you got to trade for this guy. He's going to be the next Barry Bonds. And Chad was like, all right, I'll do that. And then he became the next Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, Chad offered me Damian Miller on that basis one time. Cooper did you mean? Uh, yes, Cooper. Sorry, yes. sorry, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, so Chad got Bautista, and that has changed the uh, the structure of the league uh, over the past two seasons. Jose Bautista, the MVP of the league this past season in 2011, and he's in pretty good position to be the MVP of the league for a second straight season. We'll see how it right. goes, but he is. Uh, I mean, and here's here's another interesting thing about that trade. Okay. Uh, Cooper beefed Chad up and and ended up missing the playoffs by one game. 
That he did. That he did. Cooper, once again, after, again, thinking he was out of it at the deadline, surged at the end, yeah. uh, mostly because of a collapse. And interesting that I'm looking at the standings. I didn't really remember. Oh, but yes, I do. There were four teams who were involved. John ended up missing by one game also. I mean, we could have really had a cluster on our hands. Yeah. And I say I don't remember, but now now I do because I was making I, I was making spreadsheets like I was Jeff Hobbs. Let me tell you, I was running statistical percentages and and through like the last six games of the season, I had like running percentages chances of these teams making the playoffs. I was having a lot <laughs> right. of fun with it. Uh, yeah. So that happened. Um, and then I want to ask you a question, uh, sort of a trivia question here, I guess. Um, where were you on RBA trading deadline 2010? Uh, I have no idea. It's a tough question. I remember it only because of this. Oh, next deal. wait, no, 2010. Actually, I don't know. Sorry. Okay. Um, I remember it only because of this next deal because I remember when I got the email of this deal. It was a three-way trade, one of the few three-way trades, trades we've had, and um, the last one, I guess, we've had. We haven't had one since. Um, Fort Duquesne got Aramis Ramirez to, to help their team. Um, Silver City got Casey Blake to load up their team, I guess, and they got a couple of picks, and State College got a first-rounder. I don't know, you know, that all sorted out. Um, but I got that email in a town somewhere in Maryland in the basement <laughs> – in a basement of a house in which you and Dave beat the crap out of me in ping pong for the entire evening. <laughs> oh, the bike trip. It was on the bike trip. The RBA trading deadline fell on the bike trip. And and, and that was and that was a great bike trip night. You remember that? Because the yeah. first night we stayed in that kind of crappy trailer like house structure. Yeah. And then we we got to the next place and it was it was awesome. That house was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had the internet on a computer downstairs and I checked my email finally after being on the bike trip for two days and uh I saw that. Um so that trade came through then. Um and also, yeah. the one that's kind of ironic, I guess, um, Fort Duquesne and Baltimore made a trade with each other. The The trade that Baltimore made was to trade a couple of relievers, including Andrew Bailey, and their starting shortstop, uh, Jason Bartlett, over to Fort Duquesne. And this left them with a couple of holes in their lineup and a weakened bullpen down the stretch, because Baltimore basically decided that they weren't going to be in it. Um, Fort Duquesne at that time had a pretty sizable lead on the wild card to the point where I remember around the deadline sending out an email to the four of you, you, Bob, Dunedin, and Chad, saying you guys are going to be the playoff teams. Um, you know, let's try, let's start planning for this. Uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, after just just for posterity here, after 55 games, Baltimore was 27 and 27. And Ford Duquesne was 34 and 20. Ford Duquesne was seven games up with yeah. 26 to play, about the time the trading deadline happened. And I mean, Vegas was way out also. Vegas was also 27 and 27. Um, Silver City was, was 28 and 26. So, I mean, Bob was up six games on, on toilet and seven games up on the other two. And none of it could have happened if Bob just hadn't collapsed. 
I mean, that <laughs> team just yeah. fell apart in, in a way that we've rarely seen teams fall apart in the RBA. And as we're going to see here in the replay results, it was not deserved at all. I don't no, know what happened. Definitely so not. Do we talk about the replay results before we talk about the playoffs? All right, whatever you did before, you did it again. I'm back. What is that? Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but uh, anyway, I got it now. Uh, okay, so I, I, let me very. I have brief. a feeling that you know exactly what's going on, and you don't want to say it in front of no, the no, broadcast well, audience. <laughs> well, I accidentally pulled out my the thing that connects the the headphones to the computer um, twice, twice, yes, and and characterized it by saying you don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, I guess I lied. Does that just mean that you don't know what's going on with your motor skills? <laughs> <laughs> Shut your face. So uh, do, we do, the, do we do the replay standings now? or, or? Let, me, let me just very briefly mention that Bob uh, increased his team score. I usually oh, yeah, to, right, yes. So I stayed at a 123 because I didn't make any trades. Adam stayed at a 60. Atlanta stayed at a 61. Um, Bob bumped himself from a 108 to a 114. Yeah. So he added six points with that trade, and the difference between a 114 and a 123 is not that great. No. Uh, two, so they, two, two and a half wins, right? Two wins. Yeah, two wins. Yeah. Uh, four and a half points is a win. I. Oh, okay. Say. okay. Um, State College stayed the same. Silver City went to an 86, so they got a little better with Blake. Um, yeah, Buffalo was 100, didn't even 99, same as before. Vegas dropped to a 55. Elm Grove bumped themselves all the way up to a 121. That was that Vasquez Chipper Jones trade. Vasquez was a house. In that Chad, Chad knows how to beef up. I mean, yeah. he, oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, he really knows how to beef up because he was a, like a 90 or 95. Yeah, I forget. Something but, like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he he added a ton to that team. I was a 123. He was a 121. I was scared. Of him, <laughs> I didn't well, want and, and well, you should have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fortunately, that was, you didn't have to worry about that. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> God. Anyway, he had a great team by the end of it, and Baltimore was a seventy-nine, so they dropped off. And uh, let's remember, okay, yeah, they ended up being an average team after that trade. They were a ninety-two at the beginning of the season, so it. I mean, eh, not they a great. They were not a great team. They were a pretty good. They were a good team. I mean, 92. It's not a disgrace. So, I mean, we should, I guess, say for certain that Ford Duquesne ended up collapsing. Baltimore tied them for the wild card at the end of the season, edging out Vegas and Silver City by a game. And Baltimore did win the playoff game to make the playoffs. Right. So here are the replay results. Yeah, and this this sucks because this happens sometimes, and it's very unfortunate as a commissioner. Yeah, I should mention that the season ended with Arizona, Dunedin, and Elm Grove winning the divisions and Baltimore getting the wild card. Yes, Ford Duquesne missed the playoffs, and the number one team in the replay was. Okay, well, here we go. I'm going to just – I'll go through the divisions again, I suppose. Uh, for 2010 – the uh, winner of the Larkin division in the replays was Fort Duquesne. And the winner overall. The 50.9 wins. It was a really, really good team. And, and he beefed it up well also. And that team did not deserve to tank at the end of the season. They made the playoffs in 13 and a half of 14. Yeah. <laughs> Which that would have counted as a half, what they did in the RBA, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a meat defense. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh 
Arizona finished with 40, an average of 49.1 yep. wins. So you overachieved by 3.9 uh, wins by this. Uh, Fort Duquesne underachieved by 7.9. Right. I ranked fourth. I made the playoffs. I did make the playoffs in 12 of the 14 replays, though. Yes. I was notable, notable that the top four teams in the league made the playoffs. Uh, it, none of them missed the playoffs any more than two and a half times. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It was uh, dominated by those four teams. There's only there were only five playoff berths outside of the top four teams in the replay. Yeah, yeah whoever didn't win between Fort Duquesne and me in the Larkin was ma- yeah you know, made the wild card. Yeah, usually the wild card. Atlanta thirty four point five wins and Orlando thirty point six. Yep. Uh, in the pocket, Dunedin averaged forty nine point three. Right on it. They, I mean, yeah, they won 48, so pretty much right. They, uh, they made the playoffs 11 and a half times, uh, so no surprise there. Silver City, uh, Silver City 43.7. Yeah, and they won 42 in the real season. The the pocket really went as planned. Yeah, I remember that the replays are run using the end-of-season rosters, and John had beefed himself up a little bit. He'd yeah, added, like, good point. points. Good point. Yeah. Buffalo 41.9. They made the playoffs twice. Yeah, but but still forty one point nine, not indicative of their a hundred score on the on your spreadsheet. So maybe something was weird there. I'm really surprised they didn't do better than that. Um, well, your spreadsheet I, is defective. Actually, I, I, let me get to that in just a second because it is a little bit. Here we go. Yeah, state, in this season it is. You're right. Yeah. State. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. All right. Well, anyway, State College twenty six point eight. They were horrible. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see, Elm Grove in the Clemente. Elm Grove did win, no shock there, using their end-of-season roster. 50.5, yeah. and they made the playoffs yep. every single time. Yep, they won that division 14 out of 14 times. And I should mention that we 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 placed two top 10 teams in this season. Fort Duquesne's 50.9 was the fifth most all-time. Elm Grove's 50.5 was the seventh most all-time in the and first then, 10 seasons. Yes, and then there was a, a, a cluster. Uh, Baltimore, 38.6. They Which was, uh, yeah, 4.4 less, but remember, they had a weakened roster. Yeah. They, they saw, they, yeah, they had a sell-off at the deadline. Vegas, 36.2. They Which also, was, yeah, they also sold off 5.8 less, so really those kind of go hand-in-hand. Right, SoCal 33.8, which is actually a little better than I would have expected, but anyway. Yeah, but not, not great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 33.8. Um so, yeah, and the other thing I wanted to mention was, yeah, with the 10th season, we introduced injured the injury factor. We should have mentioned that, yeah. We introduced the injury factor, which was a great innovation. Uh, um, yeah, it is. I think it's actually the best innovation the RBA's ever had, even better than splits. Wow, uh, that is a bold statement. I do, I do, because wow. you had these players before, and, and these were players like the Josh Bard types. These were players Adam and I would take. Yep. Players who had like 300 plate appearances or 350 or whatever it was and had posted, you know, an OPS of 920. And uh, I would take these guys because uh, they were undervalued uh, and they could play the entire season. Yeah. There was no. Tony Clark tying the home run record for PC6. Yeah. Yeah. What is Helms? As long as you qualified. It didn't matter whether you had just barely qualified or whether you had played the entire season. There was no difference in the RBA 
between a guy who had 320 plate appearances and a guy who had 700 yep. plate appearances. They could both play full-time. They had the same chance of getting injured and everything. Well, I'm glad. So, uh, well, I'm really glad you like it. And, and even skeptics or, or whatever you'd say, like Florian, I mean, Jeff has really come around. Like, he was really excited about the, the playoff usage, which, <laughs> I, which yeah. I love also. I think the playoff strategy is fantastic. You know, I, you know, Adam and I, I think, I, I think Adam and I really benefited from the uh, lack of an injury factor because we would take these guys like, uh, like whoever, right. you know, Wes Helms and Adam took. And, uh, yeah, but I was 100% in favor of instituting the injury factor, even though I knew it would kind of hurt me a little bit because it's totally realistic. It's totally reasonable. It makes perfect sense that if a guy plays half the season he sh- in the majors, he shouldn't be able to play more than half the season in the RBA. Yeah, and it's it's just fun. It's just more fun. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, it is more realistic, but, I mean, it happened because I got in the, the simulation league with you, and, and I I went through that first season, and I was like, this is a freaking blast. You know, it's like yeah. it's not like oh yeah, here's my lineup for all 81 games. It's strategy. It's more yeah. and more strategy is always a good thing. It adds another le- level of strategy. Well, yeah, it adds another level of, of strategy that is important and good, and yeah, it's great. Um, so I guess we can talk about the playoffs now. Are, are you looking forward to this? No. You want to talk about your series first? You want to get it over the way, out yes. of the way? Yeah. You just rip yeah, it off like a Band-Aid? Yeah, let's do that. So Baltimore had, uh, Baltimore had sold off, and by the end of the season, their team score – just three or eight. <laughs> it's just dripping off your voice right now. I love Doug. Man, Doug is the man. Yes, he and, is. And, and, I, and I feel really bad for the luck that Doug has, or lack of luck, or, or uh, well, anyway, I feel really bad for the bad luck that Doug has had uh, during his career in the RBA. But yes. by the end of the by, by the end of the 2010 season, he was a 79. He was an average team. He was the definition of an average team. And he killed me in the playoffs. Absolutely murdered a team that, you know, I had built up to be really, really good. Um, well, I know you don't harbor any ill feelings toward Doug, but uh, there was a, uh, you know, you might not have a harbor of feelings, but there was a certain body of water involved in this uh, in this first round series that uh, did hurt you a little bit, as in uh, a, ba- a bay. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Jason Day killed me. Yeah. All right. So the matchup was uh, you. You had a certain reliever, and you had a very good bullpen. But you had a reliever, Matt Garrier, who was, I believe, he was a little. He was. He was really good at keeping both sides off base. I mean, he was a very valuable reliever. His one yeah. Achilles heel was that he gave up homers to righties, That's as right. I recall. Yeah. Um, and, but he was a key part of your bullpen, and oh, yeah. uh, in game he was. My- yeah, he was my number two reliever, really, behind Heath Bell. So, I mean, going into this series, you know, it was a great story that Doug had made it. I was talking RBA redemption tour because if Doug had won the, the plaque in this season, I mean, that would have been it. That would have been the ultimate redemption. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, you know, you had a plaque. I, you know, I, I kind of wanted Doug to win, but I kind of wanted you to win also because I'm always a Greenbacks fan. Um, though I'll never admit that. Um you just did. I think I just did. On the air. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say I probably wanted Doug to win this series. Um, yeah. So it was a big underdog story, though, like you said. He had a basically average team, and you had a, a typical powerhouse. I mean, you had 120 and, teams. 
and he he beat me three two in the first game. Two well, I was going to say you you were up two to one going into the eighth inning. We have to talk about. I know you don't want to talk about it, but you put in Matt Garrier in the eighth to protect the two to one lead, and Bobby Abreu walked and Jason Bay homered. Yeah. So so Bay, the right-handed batter, hit Garrier and swung it from a two-one game to a three-two game, and uh, Doug held on to it from there and won game one. And then you were saying about game two. I lost 12-3 to and Bay homered again. Bay had a grand slam in game two off uh, Garrier. <laughs> Bay, had, yeah. Bay not only homered in the first two games of the series, he homered off the same reliever in the first two games of the series. And after that second game, I mean, he just decimated you in that game. Yeah, I know, he did. Dunn it, homered, Pierzynski homered. It was just 12-3. to that's a, that's, a, that's a butt whipping. And then I actually won game three. Look at who you beat in Game Three, but but Bay uh, uh, Cliff Lee. Yeah, you did. Yeah. But Bay homered against me in Game Three as well. Yeah, that time it was against Kane. <laughs> I mean, just left the starter, and you're like, I'm not screwing around with this again. Then I then I lost Game Four, five to four, and Bay. Not Homer, but he went two for four. I should uh, mention that that we were evoking the name Phil Nevin. During yeah, I know. I know. Don't and then, talk about that either. You you uh, were down five to one in game four, and you almost made it all the way back. But uh, Sean Burnett held you down here in, the, in that. And then I lost game five, four to three, and and uh, that was that. Yeah, Doug won that series four games to one. One of the bigger upsets. Well, I guess we can say the biggest upset in RBA history. I would have to say. Uh, probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. But anyway, and oh. and then um, so I, I, you know, there was there was a little bit of talk about the possibility of me playing Chad in the play in the in the playoffs because we never had and we still haven't. We won't this year. And, That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was I was you know two powerhouse level teams, Arizona and Elm Grove, and I was kind of looking forward to seeing that, you know. But there was also a storyline that I wanted Doug to win, so I was kind of okay with it. But I did feel like we'd missed out on, on what would have been a great series, and we, we kind of missed out on that again this season. Yeah. One of those missed and the, opportunities. And then the Cardinals killed the clear blues in the first game of their series. Well, seven yeah, behind two. Felix, they won 7-2. to two. It was tough to, to screw with Felix then, that season. And then and then the, well, we need to talk about this case. <laughs> 14 to 11 in 14 innings. This is known as, quote-unquote, the Jack Wilson game. This is uh, Chad, if you notice, had a 10 to 6 lead going to the eighth inning. It was a wild friggin' game from the beginning. I mean, Josh was throwing out all kinds of pitchers. His game four starter got in there. I mean, it was just pitchers all over the place, and people were getting shelled. And uh, Chad, would, nevertheless, Chad took a four-run lead to the eighth and put in a slew of defensive replacements, including Jack Wilson. And he had Johnny Broxton to nail it down, and, and, and Angel Guzman as well. And Dunedin just tied the game with three in the eighth and one in the ninth, and this game just went on forever. And Chad had these defensive replacements in, and they were just automatic outs. <laughs> he just Chad couldn't <laughs> score. He had Barajas in a catcher instead of Maurer. It was just awful. Chad yeah. had Bautista in, who wasn't anything on that disc, and the Jack Wilson game. Jack Wilson, who was god-awful, ended up batting three times in that game because it went to 14 innings. And that was one of the most fun games. Games I have ever played. It took two <laughs> hours to play. Yeah, that was a hell of a game. I remember that. Yes, and it and was so it that... was played like between eleven thirty and one thirty on a Saturday afternoon here, which is like five thirty to seven thirty in in uh, in the Netherlands. And Chad was 
pissy drunk by the end of it. I mm-hmm. mean, wasted. <laughs> it was great. So that tied that tied the series, and then Chad won game uh, one game three nine to five. These were all these were pretty offensive. This was a pretty yeah, Chad, offensive. Chad could hit the ball. The system, and then and then Dunedin tied it up and uh, tied the series after game four with a six to four. It was really a fantastic series, and we should say again that Dunedin has made the playoffs twice, and they won a series against Bob. They lost the championship to Cooper, but they have. In, in first-round series, I don't think they've ever been caught stealing. They Remember <laughs> this narrative? I mean, they just run all over the place. And I yeah. think they were they were something like 12 of 12 in this series. I might be overstating it, but they were not caught stealing, and it, and there were a lot of stolen bases. The Cardinals won game 5-2-1 to one behind, behind Felix. Felix. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then the Cardinals won game six six to one. That was kind of an easy one. And then yeah, uh, Johnson came back for that one and actually pitched like he should have instead of how he crapped the bed in game two. And then we went to the championship, and the championship ended up well. Baltimore did win game one. It was weird. But, I mean, yeah, they beat Felix. They can, uh, Chad had a one nothing lead, and Felix was cruising. But uh, Chad and uh, Baltimore rallied late, and we were all kind of thinking, whoa, Baltimore had won five games out of six in the, in the postseason. We were like, is this really going to happen? <laughs> I know, but then yeah, – then, then, yeah. Then Elm Grove won game two, five to two. Well, I remember, I remember the moment because Elm Grove was up one to nothing going to the top of the fifth, and uh, and Baltimore scored two at the top of the fifth. They rallied against him again to take the lead. And I remember sitting here at RBA weekend. Doug was right here. I'm pointing at right where he was sitting, and and Chad was of course on Skype, and uh, we were like, holy shit, <laughs> Baltimore's <laughs> gonna do this. And yep. then it was at that moment that was the tipping point. Game or game two, inning five, and then it just sideways. Yeah. It just it was over. <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals took game two. They took game three, four to three. It was a good game, and yeah. uh, they were up two to one in the series. They won uh, game four, six to five. I mean, well, they were all one run games. Yeah, those two are both one run games. Uh, actually, Baltimore yeah. scored two in the ninth there in game four. That was that was pivotal. If they had won game four, they would have tied the series. Huh. Exactly, and then Game Five ended up yeah, being just a six to nothing route. That was a Felix whitewash right was, there. Uh, Felix killed him. So Chad won the championship. Congratulations his, to Chad on that one. His fourth plaque. Yeah, his fourth in uh, ten years at that up to that point, and team of uh, the decade by far. Yeah, yeah, and then um, and uh, and managed to uh, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess that was his. Uh, yeah, it was obviously his fourth championship. Fifth trip to the playoffs, and uh, it was quite a decade for him. It really was. Four plaques in ten seasons. It's pretty incredible. Um, Well, maybe the next time we'll talk about seeing who will move into second place all the time with his second plaque, you or John. Right, yeah, it'll be one of us, and uh, it'll be, a, it's well, who knows if it'll be a good series, you never know, but... Uh, we hope, yeah. we hope. All right, yeah. well, uh, good podcast, Jeff. I think we uh, we, we put the 10th season to bed pretty well, and we'll, we'll try and do this again pretty soon. Maybe we'll talk about a recap of the decade and a look forward to the championship or something like that. Yeah, I guess we can do the 11th season podcast pretty soon. I know Chad Whatever. works yeah. with you. Uh, yeah, we'll see, yeah. All right, well... Uh, Okay, well, um, I guess we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, congratulations on uh, winning a game in the postseason in 2010. 
Yeah, thank you very much for that. Booker's golf clap will take it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. We'll, uh, we'll uh, talk to you next time on the RBA podcast. All right. I'll see you.